everyone. Welcome to From the Kitchen Table. I'm Sean Duffy along with my co-host for the podcast, my partner in life, my wife, Rachel Campos Duffy, who is not with me because I'm at Fox. She's at the kitchen table, but yeah. we are together in spirit and on the podcast. Hey, Rachel. Yeah, I do love it, but it's just not the same, not having a cup of coffee with you at the kitchen table. Now you have a nice... Oh, we'll I, 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 we'll I have keep a the vibe alive. I have, a, I have a paper cup and you have a nice mug. The difference mm-hmm. when you're at home and the Fox studios in New York. Um, okay. So it's Friday and we're doing questions and answers. We have some good ones that have come in. So why don't you start? What's the first question that's come through? So we have some, we have some political ones. We have some relationship ones. I thought let's just start with relationship ones. Cause we're so close to Valentine's day. We're in the month of February. Oh yeah, we are. So well, by the way, this um, next, next week we'll do a Valentine's day special, but let's, absolutely. let's do a little, um, a little sneak peek. Yeah, let's do a little sneak peek. So um, this question is very interesting. I'm going to do two of them. Um, what are some of the things that are non-negotiables for you in your relationship? What's non-negotiable? That's a great question. You go first. <laughs> I know these are really on the fly here. Um, I would say something that's non-negotiable. Oh, I know it's non-negotiable for you, Sean. What's that? Sean does not, if we're in the car together, he does not let me drive. <laughs> listen, listen, that's, that's a like 98% rule. There's been a few times when I had shoulder surgery, like, you did drive me home. I yeah, okay. that. <laughs> shoulder surgery <laughs> is the only loophole in that rule. There are, there are that's a non-negotiable. Right. That's a non-negotiable. I mean, look, um, I would say obviously being faithful is non-negotiable. Um, and, and also I think just in general, being a partner, if I felt like, and I, I probably take on, you know, a good 80% of the household stuff, but if I felt like I had to do it, I do it because I enjoy that part of my life. I enjoy the house being neat, neater than you. Um, but if I felt like you felt like it was my job to do it, cause I am a girl, um, necessarily, I, 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 I don't, it would take the joy out of it for me. Yeah. And that would be a non-negotiable. Uh, listen, if we're going to go to the, like those standards, I'd say, well, listen, you shouldn't hit each other. That's probably a basic, simple thing. Yeah. Uh, right. Um, That's beyond and, basic, but yeah. Right. No, it is. Um, listen, no, I, I guess, I, I mean, I think non-negotiable, you have to have coffee with me in the morning. Um, right. You have to, you have to hang out with me. Um, <laughs> non-negotiable is, you know, on occasion you have to put your phone down. Um, by the way, it's our daughter Evita and her husband complains about your, your daughter as well about not putting her phone yeah. down, but we need some moments where we have to connect outside of you being on your phone. This is a big theme in our household. Mm, Rachel's relationship true. with me and her I phone. I have a little bit I, of a tech addiction. I fight her phone for, her I get attention. my, I get my news from my phone. I don't really, know. you know, read the, I don't get a newspaper that comes to my door. And sometimes it's um, entertainment, entertainment and news all t- rolled up in one. So yeah, that's interesting. I, but that, that would take me some more thought actually to go, what, what is non-negotiable? Cause, but can I just, I, I, the, the question's flawed because I think marriage is flexibility, right? I don't think I have, we don't have hard and fast rules of like, you have to do this and have to do that. And that's non-negotiable. Listen, um, I think rigidity is not good. Um, we have some principles by which we live, but it's not a hard and fast rule that says you have to do this or, you know, our, our, you know, we have real problems in our marriage. 
um, things no, happen. I, Issues I, come no, no, up. No, but I, and, I think that this is deeper, Sean. I, I don't think I, I think I, I probably set the tone wrong because I started with like, you know, a chore related one. I think what I think this person is asking really is something very deep. Like, for example, we've taken tests that measure our personality. You and I have done this. We've been in like political retreats for your office where they want to find out everyone's personality and they kind of test what your values are based on these tests. And like my highest value is loyalty. So for me, you being loyal to me in every way, and I don't mean just like sexually faithful to me. I mean, loyal, like you've got my back. That is a non-negotiable. If I was in a relationship with someone who doesn't have my back or who, when I felt like they didn't meet that standard, weren't open to understanding why I felt that way, that would be a problem. That's a non-negotiable loyalty to your spouse and family. So just a, a side note there, which I'm going to come back to the question. Um, there are so many good people in America. Um, Anne, uh, who uh, volunteered her time to work with us and my congressional team uh, to make her government work better. Uh, she is amazing. And the woman who ran your retreat. Yes. Yeah, you're not making, I can't let people know what you're talking about. Yeah, so she ran the retreat, volunteered her time to come and run the retreat uh, for yeah, our team awesome. and has become a, a, a friend of ours. Um, but uh, you talk about that test. And it was interesting. We all took the test and you remember what you know, it was loyalty for you. I can't remember what, what mine was, but I remember, I remember doing the test and being like, this is stupid. Obviously everyone is going to, you know, come down on the side that I came down and I couldn't fathom. It was that, like a, it was like a game. It was like a, it was like no, a there, story there, and you had there, to tell. There were different people who had done different things in um, the story. In the, in the story, and it was like who was who was the worst person of the story, and they all was they all had different violations. One was loyalty, other ones were working, other ones were. But there was like eight different things uh, of violations of the different people in the story had made, and you had to say who was the worst one, and based on your values, that's the person you'd pick that was the most offensive. Um, and I thought it was fascinating. We do we do have to understand that people do value different things in life, and understanding that. Um, I think makes our relationship better. Um, yeah. It's like when people take the, you know, the, what's your love language, right? Mm. Um, it's like that, you know, when, when, when you, do we, we talk about that all yeah, the time. <laughs> yeah. Like mine is like acts of service. Yours is, uh, yours is physical attention, physical touch, physical attention. Not, not surprising. Um, I would say that my sister says that her not negotiable. She's a, my sister is single. And so hers are, these are her non-negotiables, no vegans, no cyclists, no atheists. And I think those, I mean, for all of you single ladies out there, I think this weeds out ever. I, I think it's the most clever three categories to put in your non-negotiables for, for dating. And I'm, I'm all about, you know, being open-minded, but I think those three are, are pretty good. You'll beat out a lot of bad guys that way. Well, and just, you know, like I don't cycle. No vegans, no cyclists. I'm not a vegan no. and I'm not an atheist. So like that was beyond my answer because that's neither of us are in those categories. And, and, and the just, cyclist is not like Pelotoners. It's like those people that cycle on really small roads that are not meant for bikes that like seem to be inviting death. I have no idea why they do this. Well, I think it's um, also that they seem to enjoy wearing the really tight Lycra shorts. Um, 
exposing the middle-aged men in lycra yeah. No, yeah not not the best look anyway, okay i um, let me get to let me get to my next relationship question um because i'm ready i can go i can go with one that came in for me as well if you're not ready for I mean, no, no, go ahead. Go, go okay, to yours. So, I got mine, but you go ahead. Okay, so someone asked me about this. I, I, earlier in the day, I, I did um, America's Newsroom with uh, Bill Hammer and, and Dana Prino. And one of the questions that came up on the show, and someone asked me about this, it was uh, the American Psychological Association. They claim merit-based hiring is unfair. Um, and they, did a, they, they basically wrote a paper that says that, you know, looking at, whether it's race or socioeconomic conditions um, should be factors in hiring and the decisions that are made as opposed to the merit of the employee that we're considering. Um, and this is a fundamental change in who we are as Americans. We're a merit-based society. We don't make decisions in our hiring based on your sex, sexual preference, your race, you know, where you came from. We hire someone to go, can you do the job? Are you the best person I can hire at this salary to complete this job? Uh, and it's good for innovation, creativity, productivity, um, all really good things that make a capitalist society work. Um, well, in the study, which, by the way, is shocking, there are a bunch of libtards that, that do this. Um, the problem is that they want people to go, well, where did you come from? And what hardships did you have? Um, and, you know, did, was there, was there, was there all factors in your life that could hold you down? How were, you know, were your parents married? Were they not married? You know, where did you grow, do you grow up? Were you in a, you know, public housing? Did you have your own home in a backyard? Like all factors that might apply to you. But me as the employer, I care about me and the, and the productivity of, um, my operation. Um, and when you, when you slide into a meritless society, then the factors just become um, maybe immutable qualities. And the problem with that is um, you have an economy that will completely rot and it creates passivity. People are passive. They um, will. Well, the will, institutions will, will, erode, Sean. I mean, I, I've seen this in, you know, you, go, you can go to Latin America, you can go to the Soviet Union. When people, you know, in those countries, they privatize, for example, industries like the oil industry or the electric company or whatever. They privatize these these big, really important operations, even like in, in the Soviet Union, um, the, the airline. And it was a joke during the Cold War that nobody wanted to fly on planes that were Soviet run because the, the person who ended up as the pilot or the mechanic or or, what, or the guy running the whole operation were not the best and the brightest. They were people who were connected to the regime and got these cushy jobs because, you know, they, they, they had that political connection. They got that, that, that advantage. Um, in Latin America, you saw that all the time. And in Venezuela, for example, you had the oil industry. I mean, Venezuela is a huge oil. It's a natural resource. It's one of the reasons why Venezuela was, um, the richest country in Latin America. It's now the poorest. And what happened is they privatized these industries. They gave these jobs to people who were politically connected, not people who necessarily knew about how to run a industry that important to the country and to their exports. People who didn't know about engineering necessarily and what, what it took to, to do the exploration and, the, and, 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 and getting out the oil and, and selling it, et cetera. 
and those industries started to rot from within. I mean, Sean, you you sat on financial services, and when we started to see over the last few years, sort of this overdrive, you know, this this thing on overdrive of DEI and hiring, and you were seeing this in the banking industry that the the best jobs in banking were almost exclusively reserved for minorities because they had to meet these certain quotas. You said, this is a problem. If we're not hiring the brightest for our financial plumbing, the banking industry, the financial industry, we're screwed. And that's important because a lot of people don't think of banking. They don't think of the Federal Reserve. Um, it's kind of something that doesn't touch their lives or so, or so they think. And yeah. my point was always things can go wrong in the economy with interest rates. Things can go wrong in the economy with DEI. And it takes months, if not years, to see the, the rot that happens. If something happens in the plumbing of the American economy, um, you know today things yes, collapse yes. very quickly, quickly right it, yeah. and we saw that with uh the housing crisis in 2008 it, it it was it it felt like it wasn't right but when it collapsed it happened like right now which is why all these DEI hires and these leftists are putting in at the Federal Reserve is really concerning again I don't care what you are I just want the smartest people who understand how economies right. work and how free enterprise works to be there. Let me just make another point on this quickly. Or, too. or the oh, smartest point. person to operate on your child, your baby's heart. You know, we had a child with 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 a heart condition. I mean, I don't care about the color of or the gender of the person or the sexual interest. I, I wanted. I mean, we had a lot of pressure, Sean, to go to a Wisconsin hospital, and somebody said, "Listen, the very best guy is at a different hospital in Chicago." And we went there. And we just we just said we wanted the very best. And if I thought they were hiring heart doctors on DEI, I mean, I don't know what I would do or or who's landing your plane. Um, These are really important jobs. You just can't leave up to um, some arbitrary, you know, criteria in some human resources office or some directive out of the transportation department. Um, It's just it's, it's insanity. You know, a factor for me, Rachel, and I just, I, so I think we're, I, I, I'm all in on merit. But when I was in Congress, I would also look at someone's work ethic. And I would try to yeah. go, well, where did, where, where did they come from and where are they today? And the, yeah. the, if they came from, you know, really, really tough place and they may not have gone as far as someone who had more privilege, if you will, but I see how hard they work, the effort they've put in. Um, I want that hard worker. I want someone with grit who's going to uh, take that grit and apply it to the people that I represent in Wisconsin. So I would look at the grit they would have that brought them to where they are. That was a factor for me. Um, you liked guys, for example, just so people understand what you're saying. You liked when a candidate came in and had to work their way through college, for example, that said something to you or somebody who was working construction, you know, in the summer, somebody who, you know, had a had to, had to work hard. That said, you also had people who worked for, for you who didn't have those came from privileged backgrounds, but were very talented and you hired them, too. It was really about the right fit for the office. My, my always question was, what was, it was your about job? you? As you said, it was about but your what first, your for first job told me a lot about you. Did you yeah. buy groceries or did you have an internship at some fancy place? And I, and I like the kid that worked 
bagging groceries or work construction. I'd also ask him too, is like, how, you're in DC right now. How, how are you making it? Do you want to be an intern in my office, which, you know, uh, or you want to be employed in my office? How are you surviving right now? And if they told me that their mom and dad were paying for them to live in DC as they found a job, I didn't like that so much as the kid that moved there on their own and was waiting tables you know, and trying to get a job on the Hill. I like that more, but that showed me grit. That was not about, that was, there was a, there was a merit component to that. Also in my office, I did like, I did like diversity. I wanted men and women. And I, I had, I had every cultural background. I think you could think of work in my office. And but I thought that, that wasn't gave, on, per, yeah. but that wasn't by design. It just happened. But, but it also the gave female the, thing was different though. Cause you liked females in communication. I, well, I had, I, but I had a, a great man in communications as well. So I had, yeah, you did. The, I like, but I like the balance of men and women. Anyway, I, but again, this is, this is the communist takeover of America, taking aside merit and bringing in other standards. And we see wherever this is tried, wherever they do this, whatever economy you look at, it rots, it fails. And instead of elevating everyone on merit, it brings everyone down to the lowest denominator possible. Instead of you know, to trying to tell a runner to run faster. It's like, let's put a weight vest on the fastest runner so he runs slower. That's yeah. a problem. I want fa the fastest runners. Um, and it goes to this thing too, Rachel, about winning and losing. And I'm a firm believer in this. Winning is great. Working hard and winning is a wonderful feeling. Losing, I hate the way it makes me feel when I lose, when I don't do well. Um, and there's a real benefit that comes from that loss. It makes me angry, frustrated, but it makes me want to work harder because I don't like Driven. to lose. Yeah. Um, and that's why I think you, many people will say you learn more from losing than you do from winning. And it's true. Um, and some loss in life, um, instead of being coddled and propped up and everyone gets a trophy is way better for you personally, but way better for a society um, that gets a, a population of grit in, in, a, in a group of people that want to win. We'll have more of this conversation after this. So, Sean, you forgot one other criteria that you used. It was actually the most important criteria you used when you hired young staffers to work in your office. And that is that Sean would purposely let they'd come into the office and he'd purposely leave them in the front office next to the secretary and the scheduler. And he'd leave them there for a while. It actually, was, they, they could be an intern at the front desk. It or could like be an intern. One of the one of the lowest level spots in my office was at the front was at the front desk greeting people. Right, and so you would leave the person coming in with some of some of those people, and then after the interview, you would bring in that intern that was at the front desk, or bring in the secretary who was sitting at the front desk, and bring them into your office and go, "How did that kid treat you?" And if they treated the person that they thought was the lowest ranking in the office like crap, that said something about their character and character mattered too. So there were many, there were and that was times, a huge knock for them. There were several times where the, when I was analyzing candidates, I had a top candidate I wanted to hire. And I would call and then the person at the front desk and ask them, how were they treated? And they were, they were treated as less than beneath wouldn't talk to the person at the front desk. They thought they were better than the person at the front desk. Um, and when I got that, I didn't hire who I thought would be the best person in my office because um, I like hardworking, but nice people because everyone in that office, they represented me.
Um, Bad interaction with someone in my office was not a bad interaction with them. It was actually a bad interaction with me. So I wanted good people there. I'd also make them um, interview with our whole office as well. So I wanted the feed and I loved the team that I had. So I wanted their feedback too on who else we were going to bring in. So anyway, I think it's an, it's a, it's a fascinating um, movement that's taking place in this country. Um, and it's, um, it's going to spell disaster for our economy and for our way wow. of life. All right. So um, before we move on to a, 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 another kind of political topic, one more uh, relationship question. Uh, it says, how can you keep things fresh and not in a repetitive pattern? Well, first of all, I, I think that's really hard, right? There's there's I think a, a lot of life is somewhat repetitive. Um, you're in a routine of kids and work and cleaning and like that routine um, is part of life. But I do think you need um, moments, flashes of saying, you know what, we're going to shake this up and we're going to do something together. And so, you know, you had to come in to, to New York um, a couple days ago. And you couldn't get a ride back to the house. So you're like, hey, let's let's stand in the city and go have dinner together, which we did, mm-hmm. which was really fun. Or, was great. you know, we plan on taking some small little trips together. Um, so thinking through in 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 the mundane of life, if that's probably not the best word, because I don't feel like my life is mundane, but the 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 structure of life, you do have to plan for, hey, let's break this up and have some fun together. Um, and if you go too long. Um, I think that's a really bad sign for, for a marriage and for a relationship. Um, yeah. and maybe I'm not talking about people who are dating, um, because there's, there's going to be a lot more fluidity and excitement with that. But I mean, it's, it's hard for people who are in the grind of kids and, and jobs, but you have to make sure whether it's dinner or a small trip or it's, we're going to sit outside and have a cup of coffee when spring comes together. Um, we're going to go for a walk. I mean, you, th- th- there can be some non, expensive ways to go, we're going to break up our life and do certain things together. And also, can I just, to keep it, mundane is an interesting term, but I think our conversations and the time we spend together is, it's so far reaching. We talk about all kinds of things, whether mm-hmm. it's our, our, our kids or things that are going on in the economy or in the culture. And and so just spending time with you, having a cup of coffee, I feel like can be exciting because we're all, we're both seeing different things yeah. and then we share that with each other also breeds a little extra zest. You're, you're just like a little zest. You're like a little salt in my life. You spice it up. I spice it up. I'm you're a little sasson. Um, I would say, I, I would say, yeah. I mean, first of all, I, I think communication is important and just being able to not just like communication, like let's talk about this fight we had, or let's talk about what you did last night that pissed me off. I I'm talking about having that constant that the person that you're married to or dating is that person that you just love to talk about everything from music and movies to, you know, what's happening in current events to something painful that happened or fun that happened in my childhood or something that's going on in our families. Like you, if, if somebody actually was listening in on our conversation, it's so all over the map every day when we talk, um, because there's just so much going on. So, I mean, keeping things fresh, I think is also just like jockeying, but also can I take this to a different place, Sean, because this is something that it's sort of related to this sort of not, but I'm going to make it related to this. I think this is an important part of marriage that 
you have to take care of yourself. Part of keeping things fresh is that you are also staying fresh, right? Like in terms of how you dress, how you, you know, update your look, how you take care of your body, how you, you know, are constantly trying to improve yourself. I mean, we are human beings. We are wired um, in lots of different ways. And frankly, men are wired very visually. Um, it's no, you know, secret that we are all aging. You and I will be together 25 years in April. So not very long from now. Got that right. Good job. You're like in April. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. (laughs) April 10th is our anniversary. And I just think that, um, I think that's an important thing to keep in mind, like that, you know, you want to keep, keep, keep the relationship fresh, keep your spouse interested. And I'm not saying that, you know, you have to go get, you know, lip injections and dress like a teenager. I'm saying age gracefully, um, uh, take care of yourself, uh, keep the relationship fresh by, you know, not having the same hairstyle you had in high school, you know, like, um, keep things going. And that's part of being in a relationship too, is understanding human nature and the human nature of men is that they're very visually, you know, um, oriented and that, and, and, and so are women. And so I just think taking care of yourself in all those aspects is a sign of respect for your spouse. It says, I care about you. I, I want you to be, you know, interested in me. Now that doesn't mean like there's nothing grosser than, you know, that middle-aged guy that leaves his middle-aged wife for like a 20 year old. It's that's disgusting. Uh, every time I see Leonardo DiCaprio, um, it's like the, the women age out at like what? 28. He has to go back down to 22. Um, but so I'm not talking about that, but I'm talking about aging gracefully and, 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 and making sure that you're, you're all, you, you get what I'm saying. Right? Yeah, I do. It's, 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 it's two pronged though. It's, it's, it's good for your, for your marriage and your relationship, but it's also good for your just personal health. Uh, and again, it's interesting. Uh, the older you get, the harder it is to stay in shape and the, and the sure, more muscle you lose and you got to work harder at it. And, and that effort, I think, um, it, it does matter for all, all, for all kinds of reasons. Um, good answer. That's a little different direction. I didn't see that going, but well done, Rachel. See, Let's that's t- how I keep it fresh. You just never know what I'm going to say. That's exactly <laughs> keep it fresh with that. I'm like, wow. I just, I guess she's this little sparkle that happens in our conversation yes. and in my life. L- let's talk about this because um, uh, was it uh, yesterday or two days ago, we saw the video of the migrants and uh, the right, they were housed right near Times Square. Um, so for it, those who haven't seen it, can you just tell them what happened? Okay, so there was a, an altercation, a fight with two uh, NYPD officers, uh, New York Police Department officers. Uh, I believe they were trying to arrest or take one of the migrants into custody. And then these young, other young kids mobbed the officers, got them to yeah. the ground and beat the crap out oh. of the officers. Um, and eventually four uh, I believe it was four of the uh, of the migrants were arrested. Now there was more that were participated in the fight uh, that the NYPD is still looking for, but they arrested four. And in clear New York City fashion, they were brought in, and within three hours, they were released on a signature bond. So they signed their name that they would reappear uh, in court um, for the charges that might be filed by Alvin Bragg against them. I'm going to take a pause there for a second because then we'll talk about what happened when they left 
um, their their bond hearing. But when 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 you have a, a cash bail or signature bond, you got to post cash or you sign on your own recognizance that you'll appear in the for future court dates. What the court is doing is making an assessment about whether you will come back to court to answer the charges that are going to be filed against you. And so they'll look at what kind of connections do you have to the community? Do you have a job in the community? Do you, do you, uh, do you own a business in the community? Do you have a house in the community? Do you have parents and family in the community? So we know as, as the court that you're going to show up for um, future court dates. Sometimes there's, this is this is debated, but the seriousness of the charge is also considered because the more serious the charge, maybe the more apt you will be to flee, right? Mm-hmm. So we're talking about serious charges where migrants beat up two police officers and they have zero ties, not just to New, to New York, but really no ties to America. They're migrants. They just got here. So you would think that the court would say, well, you have to post cash to make sure you're going to come back into court. Sure. But that's not what the court did. They have zero ties to this community. And the court said, oh, well, we're going to let you sign a bond just saying that you're going to come back for future court appearances. So that in and of itself is outrageous. But the second factor then is they leave the courtroom. There are little thugs that as the media was there filming them, they flipped the bird, give the, give the finger to the media as these young thugs walked out of the courtroom. These are a Sometimes group of people. I want to give the finger to the media. So, well, so do I. But they, I think instead of the media, they were given a finger to America. Yeah, to America. A hundred percent. And it's like, 100%. I'm entitled. Yeah, I'm going to beat up cops and I'm going to come out and I'm going to give you the finger. Um, no I'm entitled to housing and food and, you know, you should wash my clothes and I deserve to be here. Instead of being grateful that a country let you come in and has have given you a house and food as you get on your feet. This is the disrespect they have uh, for America. And by the way, Rachel, Joe Biden is like, oh, we're vetting people at the border. No, you're not. If you were vetting people at the border, these little thugs wouldn't get into America. By the way, none of them should be getting in. But especially little thugs like this, they would never get in. Yeah. This tells you that Joe Biden's not vetting people. No. In, uh, to come across the border and come into the country. Sean, this, I, I is actually, the, this is the kind of garbage that we're getting that's going to destabilize the country. Well, I actually spoke to a woman when I was in Eagle Pass, Texas. Um, we did, I did a town hall with different residents. And this particular woman um, uh, said that she was involved with new people who were part of the NGOs that were vetting. And she said, oh, my goodness. Um, she was Mexican-American. She said, there's so many people coming that they don't have enough people to vet. So now they've hired like kids who are right out of high school or even high school dropouts to do the vetting. Um, imagine, I mean, just Sean, for a second, think about what you were like, you know, at 16, 17, 18, 19 years old. Uh, I think these were like 18, 19 year old kids that were doing the vetting. And I mean, there's no way they don't have any idea um, of, of how to do this process. And, and you're right, they get quote unquote vetted and then um, they get put on flights with virtually no ID, ID or knowledge of who they are, where they come from. They get more, you get more vetting at the airport 
than they do as we pay for their flight to go to Chicago, New York, or wherever they're going. I just got off the phone with um, Congressman Siskamani this morning. Um, we were talking about the border, and he told me that he was down at the border. Um, he told me two stories that I thought were fascinating. He told me he was down at the border, and he saw a, a guy who had just come across the river with a, a child on his shoulder. And uh, Congressman Siskamani is a legal migrant to this, um, immigrant to this country, um, you know, first generation. And he said, he asked him why, you know, in Spanish, why would you come here such a dangerous journey with a child? And he said, Porque Biden nos invito, which means because Joe Biden invited us. Um, that's what he told him. The other story he told me, which was fascinating, is that he was able to get into um, one of these centers, one of these NGO centers. And he went in with a young woman who was a staffer of his and that the guy, they, it was all young men, all military age young men. And they were hitting on her when when um, when he was going through and they knew he was a congressman hitting on who? through hitting on a staffer Oh, on a staffer. OK. Yeah. No, they weren't hitting on the camp. I was like, yeah, I was like, huh? Uh, Wait, no, this, this story went into story. a unique direction. <laughs> oh. so I shocked. told you I'd keep it fresh. Keep it fresh. Right? <laughs> um, no, they were hitting on his young female staffer and he was really upset about it because he was like, what the hell? Like, why are these, you know, what's going on? Um, but that, but that's the story, Sean. And, and those young migrants that gave the finger to those illegals who gave the finger to America as they came out of that are now out, out, you know, out of out of jail on their way to California, um, from what I've read, where they will get free housing, free health care. They'll get free tuition if they decide to go to college. Um, California has essentially laid the carpet out because as people are leaving California because the taxes are horrible, um, they started to lose members of Congress because they're a apportioned by population. Well, now they're repopulating um, and keeping that power base in California by bringing in illegal migrants. And that's why in Congress, you have some members of Congress now saying, hey, let's um, let's let's put in a bill to make sure we're apportioning the what is it? How many how many citizens per member, Sean? Is it seven or eight hundred thousand? So, yeah, seven hundred fifty to eight hundred thousand. As the country grows, that number goes up. You only have 435 seats in Congress, so it's apportioned as the population grows. There's only, there's only 435, but saying we should be apportioned, apportioning districts by American citizens, not by people, including by illegal migrants who are here. 100%. One other quick point, Rachel, this is what's frustrating. Uh, New York is a sanctuary city. And because they're a sanctuary city, that means they can't coordinate and collaborate with ICE officials where you would think that if you beat up American New York City police officers, the first step would be you are going to be deported, yeah. number one. Or number two, you made a good point. Uh, I think, uh, I don't know if all four, but several of these uh, young thugs are, have been flown to California. Now, I'd mm -hmm. imagine as part of the bond that was signed by these, uh, by these young men would be that you can't leave the state of New York. They are leaving the state and they're flying to California, which means they're never going to come back and answer for the charges of beating up a New York City police officer. And who um, paid for their this, flight, by the way? This system is it, this, so it is a, it is a two tier so system, it, and we go. It brings it brings us to this point, Rachel. Uh, remember Daniel Penny? Uh, I believe it was the a Marine. Marine the subway. Marine defended people in the subway. He defended, and, and then he accidentally killed someone because he was holding he was trying to restrain them, and the person ended up dying. Yeah. 
Um, he was not given a signature bond. I think he had to pay a $15,000 cash bail to get released wow. from prison. Where you I'm have people who beat the snot out of, uh, and are illegal, beat the snot out of uh, a New York City police officer, they're just released. And again, exactly. there's a differential because Daniel Penny is a white former I don't know you ever former, right? They would say he's a white Marine um, who is yeah. protecting people in the subway. Well, that's he's a dangerous man. We got to make sure yeah. he has, you know, cash bail to make sure he comes back in. But the 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 minority migrant who's in the city who has no ties to our community that bleeds, be, beats up a police officer, that guy, signature bond. These people are warped in the mind on how they're analyzing the criminal justice system, which is why so many people have no faith in the criminal justice system. One other point, when we were talking to um, Daniel DeMartino, he is an, he's a migrant that came over Daniel, from... Uh, he's, he's, no, he's, a, he's, a, he's, he's now uh, working towards his U.S. citizenship. He's a legal migrant. He's a Ph.D. student at Columbia in... Um, New York City. He's from Venezuela. He's studying. Uh, he's getting his PhD in economics. He's, he started the dissident project to talk about the horrors of communism in schools across the country. But he and in, in the podcast we did with him, he was talking about uh, one of the final steps in the transformation of Venezuela into communism was the flipping of the criminal justice system. Yes. That law enforcement and the courts stopped working. It was political. There were political prosecutions. We had this idea in America that lady justice is blind. She's blindfolded because she doesn't look at the color, the sex, the race, the economics of the defendant. She, she bases the decision on justice itself, on the facts and on the law. That's not happening any longer in America. And it shows this long slide um, in victory for the communists who have embedded and now taken over uh, this country. And if you no can't get a fair trial, if you can't get a fair judge, if you can't get a fair bond in this country, something's incredibly wrong. And it goes to this other point you brought up, uh, Rachel, uh, which you can talk about, which is, you know, the pro-lifers. Um, well, outside but, but before of you move on to that, can I just say one thing sure. on, on Daniel Penny? Because that guy's a hero. That guy is a hero. And I think about myself as a woman, as many women, working class women that have to ride those subways, uh, moms with children who have to ride those subways in New York. Who do you want in your subway car? Do you want Daniel Penny or those illegal immigrants, um, you know, who beat up uh, uh, police officers? Who do you want in your subway car? And what is our justice system doing and saying when they don't grant bail uh, or, or they give a, 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 a huge cash bail to a Marine who served our country, who was trying to protect American citizens and even non-citizens probably on that New York subway train. And then what it says to these guys, not only letting them out of jail without bail, but but our government paying for a plane ticket to send them to California to get more freebies. It's BS. It's so flipping frustrating. And it, it's it is it is it is the perfect encapsulation of how our society is degenerating right now. And Daniel Penny sprung into action because of a situation that the government leaders in New York created, allowing yeah. mentally ill people, criminals, onto the subway system to harass and harangue and threaten and sometimes use violence against those who travel on the subway. So he sprung into action to prevent that from happening and is treated like a, a rabid criminal. But on the flip side, you have the migrants who are going after two police officers that were actually doing their job to keep the community safe. Yeah. 
right? Yeah. And it shows, listen, if you want to stop this, the, 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 the end quote progress that we're making to criminalize our city, to make our city dirty and unlivable, you're going to go to jail. But if you're part of the so, movement to make this a deranged criminal run city, you're fine. No jail yeah. for you. No bond. And by you. the way, Sean, the situation that you so rightly point out was created. The mentally ill man in the subway, a situation created by the government is about to get worse. Just this morning, I read in the New York Post um, that Mayor Adams um, from New York City, the mayor of New York City, just signed another hundred multi-million hundreds of dollar contracts with uh, five different hotels. And uh, these are our facilities and hotels in Brooklyn, Queens, um, and I can't remember the other, there are three different areas, working class areas, by the way, in, in New York City. These, some of these were not just hotels, but they were um, hotels or, or facilities that were designated for special needs, for the mentally ill, for the elderly, um, and, and, and for the chronically homeless. So those, he contracted with those facilities and hotels to put in more uh, illegal immigrants. So what does that do for those who are mentally ill, special needs, physically disabled, elderly, and chronically homeless? They're going to get less spaces. You know, this is not like, this is not like you can just, you know, put the illegals in and some magical, you know, apartment's going to show up for the, for those other people. No, those, your, your family has a, 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 a family member who needs a facility like that. They're going to say, I'm sorry, they're full. And then here we're going to go. Those mentally ill people are going to end up on the on the uh, on the subways because that's a warm place to be. And we're going to have more Daniel Penny um, situation. So this is so insane. I honestly I, I want to feel sorry for the people in New York, but they vote for this sh- crap every single time. They I'm, I'm sorry to get frustrated. Wait right there. We're going to have more of that conversation next. But let's move from New York to D.C. now, because um, in in our the conversation of injustice, uh, someone asked us about this. So if, if you all re- recall, there was a scandal in the Senate where a Senate staffer, um, when mm-hmm. one of the Senate hearing rooms was vacated, took their gay lover into the Senate room and filmed uh, the two of them having gay sex mm-hmm. inside the Senate hearing room, filmed it and put it out online. Um, we've just learned that those two individuals that desecrated the U.S. Senate are not going to be charged with any crime because, by the yeah. way, they were Democrats. These Democrats. Um, they disseminated who, the video, too, right? They, they put it out in some group chat. Yeah, they did. But they're Democrats, Democrat staffers. They're on the right side of law enforcement and of the Congress. And so nothing happens to them. However, the grandma who gave herself a self-guided tour of the Capitol on January 6th, uninvited, unauthorized, walked through the Capitol. She will go taking pictures on her on her cell phone. She will go to prison for. One years, two years, four years. By the way, both of these guests, we'll use guests in in air quotes, are uninvited. The gay sodomy sex inside the hearing room, that was uninvited. That was that was not sanctioned by the Senate Mm -hmm. itself. And nor Mm -hmm. was the grandma walking through the Senate. Which one Mm -hmm. is worse? Right. The grandma or the desecration by the sex tape filmed in a U.S. Senate 
hearing room. Which one? But you look at the Department of Justice, the Department of Justice says, well, the Democrat staffers who did this you know, hor- horrible act inside a hearing room, they're, they're okay. We're not going to prosecute them. But the grandma, we're going to throw the, the book at her. It's outrageous. And it by the is, way, go ahead. Go ahead. No, no I was, you I was, go ahead, honey. You go ahead. Well, I was, I was going to just make one last comment about uh, the, the, the pro-lifers. Uh, maybe you want to tell the story about them. They were, they were praying outside of a, an abortion clinic. They were singing hymns outside of an abortion clinic, right? Peaceful. These are truly peaceful protesters, as opposed to the peaceful protesters in air quotes that were burning down cities who got no jail time, no prosecution. But these peaceful protesters actually singing hymns outside of an abortion clinic, they're going to be sentenced to up to 11 years in prison, This system is sick. This is what liberalism, progressivism, leftism, communism, this is what it gives you. It gives you a lack of justice, a lack of fairness, a lack of equity or equality under the law. And this is partisan. This is partisan judicial politics at play. You're on the right side. You go free. If you're on the wrong side, you're going to prison. Yeah, that's what equity is, Sean. That's what equity is. And that's why we should never use that word. It's it's a it's a it's a it's a word that is the opposite of what we stand for here in America. My sister in D.C. said that her friend lives about 11 minutes away from her house, took her an hour and a half to get to my sister's house because Palestinian pro Hamas um, protests were blocking a bridge. Now, the bridge that they blocked that made it take an hour and a half for this friend to get to my sister's house is also the same bridge that leads to the airport. So you can imagine how many people missed a plane, maybe, you know, imagine emergency vehicles that couldn't get through. Um, They're blocking entrances. Will they face 11 years? Because I'm sorry, nope. if an emergency vehicle has to get through, that's an emergency. Abortions are not emergencies, you know? Um, so the, the, the claim is that the pro-lifers who were singing peaceful hymns in front were, quote, blocking um, the entrance. That's the, 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 the face law, um, blocking the entrance to a, a an abortion clinic. And, um, and, and that's what they, they, they're, they're, they're hanging this on. Uh, because they were within a certain amount of, of, of feet from from this. Uh, but the pro-Palestinian um, protesters who are blocking traffic, preventing people from getting to work, to hospitals, um, to wherever they need to go, to school, they are free and fine. Um, free and fine. It, it, is, it is this this. This double, this double system. Um, and by the way, the other person, uh, you talk about the, the, gra- the peaceful, you know, the grandmas walking through, taking pictures who love America, who, you know, respect the, the capital, were just there because they were upset about this, you know, what we know was a pretty shady election situation. Um, taking pictures, they're going to go to jail. The other person, Jacob Chansley. Um, now, he got off because some footage was finally released by Speaker Mike Johnson. But he he's the shaman. The, yes, the, the Chewbacca shaman that went in. Um, if you recall, he was trying to say a prayer inside of that thing as well, inside of the chamber as well. I'm not justifying what Jacob Chans- Chansley did, but I'll take Jacob Chansley, uh, Chansley, what he did inside the chamber any day over what that disgusting staffer did inside of i and i believe he was um i think it was who's uh, senator klobuchar's seat wasn't it sean yeah, no, uh, they, that that sounds right but i don't know that i for think certain. it was senator so you know senator klobuchar ought to be a little more upset about this Good Minnesota um, 
Listen, you're, you're definitely going to need to disinfect that um, that area. The little Purell and maybe something a little stronger than <laughs> that more than Purell. Uh, might be Things might be needed. Well, you know, this it goes to the point of elections matter. Whether it's your local mayors, your city councils, your DAs, your president that puts people in charge of the Department of Justice, and also at the Department of Justice, making sure that if there's a Republican president, that you root this corruption out. You root this out. You know, Sean, I would love to be as hopeful as you are that you could vote this out. I believe at this moment right now, there's a great article by um, Bobby Burak in Outkick, just talking about how the censorship industrial complex, this connection between the deep state and the government, our intelligence agencies, the FBI, the DOJ, and big tech um, are all still in. Nothing has been done. We've exposed some of that, but nothing's been done to no, actually was, stop that from happening. And I think just, it's an excellent point that Bobby is making that, yeah, we, we now know what they did, but nothing's been done to stop it. And you can be sure that everything is being done already um, to undermine this election. And, 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 you, and you talked about the two tiers of justice, Sean, and the kind of stuff you saw in Venezuela that showed the, 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 the beginning of the end for Venezuela when the justice system became so politicized. That's what you're seeing with Donald Trump. That's what you're seeing with, you know, the, the grandma, the J6 grandmas versus the Senate, you know, guys having sex in the Senate uh, room. This is the same as the two different types of protesters that are, you know, treated, whether they're abortion pro-lifers or whether they're, you know, pro, pro-Hamas. I mean, it's just it's all over the map. And it's, what's important for Donald Trump, should he be the nominee, which he probably will be, and should he win the presidential election, is he can't do all of this because the media is going to do the same thing they did to him in I 2017, so 18, unfair. and 19. Uh, he's going to be fighting all of these forces that want to destroy him and destroy his presidency should he win. But it's important then to put people who understand how these different institutions work, whether it's the EPA, Department of Justice, FBI, DOJ, name your agency, people who truly understand them and share and share a way of thinking that want to bring freedom and liberty and justice back into this country, that they go in and they start to root these people out. That's what has yeah. to happen. And I hope Donald Trump uh, and his team is thinking about that right now. But it is a rot and a cancer that's been um, permeating throughout the country. Rachel, um, I wish I was home with you doing this podcast, but again, we're separate. I'll see you a little bit later tonight. Well, I'll see you as you're uh, in bed going to sleep for Fox and Friends tomorrow morning. Um, <laughs> no, you might catch me because I'm going to be on, um, I'm going to be on uh, Jesse's show tonight. Except this hosting. So I'm going to do a segment with him. Um, so I might, I might see you as you're coming in. Ah, isn't that fun? Um, yep. So I, I'll see you tonight. Uh, but great, great talking with you. Great questions, everyone. Thanks for sending them in. Thanks for letting us vent. We vent so you don't have to vent. <laughs> no doubt. Listen, uh, uh, the Venting Friday podcast, uh, to your questions. Listen, uh, if you like our podcast, please rate, review, subscribe. Wherever you get your podcast, you can always find us at foxnewspodcast.com. Um, get a notice if you subscribe uh, on when our podcasts drop. Um, we'd appreciate that. And uh, we love uh, sitting on the kitchen table having a cup of coffee, uh, sharing a uh, conversation about the biggest issues that are happening of the day. Thank you for being part of The Kitchen Table. Uh, until next time, we'll see you later. Bye, everybody. Listen ad-free with a Fox News Podcast Plus subscription on Apple Podcasts. And Amazon Prime members can listen to the show ad-free on the Amazon Music app. 